Business for Business Value podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Mastery Partners, where our mission is to equip business owners to maximize business value so they can transition their business on their terms. Our mission was born from the lessons we've learned from over 100 business transactions, which fuels our desire to share our experiences and wisdom so you can succeed. Now, here's your host, CEO of Mastery Partners, Tom Bronson. Hi, this is Tom Bronson, and welcome to Maximize Business Value, a podcast for business owners who are passionate about building long-term sustainable value in their businesses. In this episode, I'd like to welcome our guest, John Humphrey. Now, you might recall that John was already on our podcast earlier this year as a part of our Tales from the 17% Club, where we talked about his exit from the business he co-founded, Pariveda. Uh, If you missed that episode, it's episode 105. Now would be a good time to go back and listen because, of course, our podcast episodes are evergreen. Now, today we're going to turn our attention to something that John uh, talked about briefly at the end of that podcast, and it's really his passion, the subject of his book, Connect for Life, Network Your Personal Brand and Win. So welcome back to Maximize Business Value, John. Tom, it's a great pleasure to be here. So so happy to have you. So we can dive a little bit deeper into this uh, into this great great book. So before we jump into Connect for Life, remind us a little bit about your background. Yeah, so um, I didn't I, I wasn't raised in Texas, but I got here as soon as I could. Uh, went to SMU undergrad finance and economics. Started my career in banking. Found my way into the restaurant business. Oddly enough, went gotten went and got my master's in MIS and marketing at SMU about six years after that, and then got went to work for Accenture, and I've been a technology guy ever since. Started a company in 03 called Pariveda, which we talked about, sold my interest in 2012, and I have been basically helping small, uh, fast-growing services companies since then uh, with their growth strategies. And I see you all over the place. I mean, I, I see things that, you know, new things that you're doing. I, I love that uh, with what you're doing with small businesses, you and I share that passion for small businesses. So tell us exactly what is Connect for Life? Well, that's, you know, I've been thinking about this question because it's really an attitude. And I wrote the book for introverts and technicians and people who um, probably don't you when you look at them you don't think maybe they're naturally uh geared towards selling or problem solving and so so it's a attitude about making a difference about helping other people specifically related to business and technology problems but the backdrop is a set of skills and methodologies and tools to help that type of personality become successful well, that's really that is super interesting. I, for some reason, when I read it, I, I wasn't I wasn't picking up that vibe because it's just I I'm about as extroverted as they come, John. You already know that, uh, but uh, but I I connect with the with the content of the book as well. Um, are we not just talking about you know trying to get them out of their shell and and go to just normal networking meetings? You know where they're where they're meeting or a happy hour and they're exchanging business cards with as many people as possible. Is is that what it is? Not really. I mean, there's really three legs to the Connect for Life stool. 
Uh, if you sort of think about market-facing activities and representing the brand, both your personal brand and the brand of the company where you rep- that you work. And so the first would be connecting. And that would be the notion of just helping people, whether they need uh, directions to a vacation spot, a new mechanic, or you read an article that's interesting. Like I said, some, I sent uh, somebody an article yesterday about um, home prices in the different cities across the U.S. where they're spiking and falling. And, and so it's just about helping other people in their journey. The second leg of the stool is marketing, which is becoming involved in the conversation and becoming, what I say, famous for something. You know, a a technician, if they're in the knowledge business, right, they have to share their knowledge or it's like the tree falling in the woods with nobody there. And so there's a whole series of things we do around that. And then the third leg of the stool is learning how to prosecute a deal through a discrete process once it's qualified so that you win or that you walk away sooner rather than later. Prosecute a deal. You're the second guy in my life that used that terminology process. That's an interesting uh, term, prosecute a deal, because I guess you really are, right? (laughs) Uh, Now, so I know this is sort of your philosophy. This is the way you work and and you're sharing this. What was the genesis of of writing the book? Why did you decide to write the book? That's a great question. So uh, Bruce and I met at Anderson Consulting uh, before it was Accenture and decided we were going to try to create a different kind of company. And he was going to be sort of the architect and the finance guy, and I was going to be sales and marketing, only I'd never carried a bag. I was never in a commission sales role. So I quit Accenture as a senior manager and went into the enterprise software space in the mid-90s and really darn near starved to death for the first year. But I finally figured it out. And a friend and a friend of mine and I were sitting around thinking about that, you know, the oscillation between have a pipeline and don't have a pipeline. And how could we ensure that every time we finished a deal, one lose or draw, that we had more to work on? And so we we put together, I don't know, 10 or 12 items to, and then we just kept score. And so when, you know, fast forward to 2003, when Bruce and I decided to start Party Veda, I said, I don't really want to have a sales force because now I had seven years in direct selling, sales management. And I was like, oh my God, that's just, that's really hard in the services business. Um, And so I said, what if we just teach everybody in the company how to do all these things from the moment they start? If they're a graduate from college, we're going to put them in a boot camp. And it just becomes the same. It's another swim lane, you know, how to be a good consultant, how to learn new technologies, how to be a good developer, how, how to do projects in Agile. And so Connect for Life, then called Networking for Life, became the thing. And, um, you know, we grew that business to, I don't know, it's 800, 900,000 people today and probably 150 to 180 million in revenue. And they still don't have any commission salespeople. So I've taken that idea and I thought, well, heck, this could work for others, whether they're salespeople, hybrid model, or seller doers. So I wrote the book a couple of years back. Well, it took me about 10 years to write it. Uh, well, six years to write it and four years to figure out how to publish it. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, well, there you go. And now, were you are you self-published on this? I, I can't Yeah, remember. I published it on Amazon. Okay. Yeah. That's, I, I use uh, KDP publishing for my book. That's great. 
Uh, in fact, getting ready to come out with my second book. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's um, you did a you did a great job on it. Um, there's a lot of steps to that. I'm thinking I'm thinking I might do a podcast one of these days on how to actually get your book published because there's, as you know, it's a lot of steps, right? And you there's just kind of have steps. to you just kind of have to keep working your way through it. Now, that's interesting that you never had. You've never had a commission sales role. Not, that, not until I, I quit Accenture and, and oh. started it. I was at Lawson Software, a little company called Computron, and then I ended up at Ariba. And when I finished, you know, that was the dot-com bubble. Yeah. And when that was over, um, I joined a little company called Tactica to build an Oracle implementation practice, and then we sold that to Hitachi Consulting. Wow. Wow. So, so you were actually in those consulting or the, uh, the commission sales roles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. Now, uh, I like the way you kind of uh, broke up the book. You know, it's, it's broken into two sections. You've got, you know, part one, which is building connections. And then part two, it gets into the, to the details on the kind of the practical advice of, of mastering uh, the basics. In fact, in your, in the introduction, one of the things that I like about this, and it's something that I'm thinking about for, for my new book, it's a, how to, how to use this book. Right. There's a there's a little section in here on how do you, how to how to take this and and take the data that's in here and, and put it to practical use. I love that. Thank you for doing that. Uh, but let's just ju- let's dive into chapter one. So uh, it, because you actually start with this question, and that is at a high level, why connect at all? What Why connect? So great question. So most people, and I'm speaking from the introvert, engineer, architect, lawyer, accountant, right? When they enter that profession, nobody told them that the guy who has their name on the building is the guy that brings in the most business. And they think sales is like an experience they had at a car dealership uh, or Best Buy or some, you know, uh, experience that was, let's say, um, not their favorite thing to do. They'd probably rather have at-home dental surgery, right? So so the whole idea of connecting was looking for ways to help people, whether those are individuals or companies. And if you are curious, which most technicians are, and you're a good problem solver, which most technicians are, then you can apply that sort of innate craft that you have around problem solving to help people solve problems. And a lot of times the problems that you can solve for them are the services that you deliver to the marketplace. So if I could demystify this whole idea of connecting and helping and marketing and speaking that that cl- clients would actually raise their hand and say, hey, John, tell me more about that. And that is... That's how actually most sales get done in the world, but most people don't realize that. Yeah, they think that that the guy just talks in and convinces people or to tricky, yeah. or you know, tries to trick you into buying something. You know, like like all the guys that are trying to sell you a warranty, extended warranty on your car that you haven't owned Good for Lord. three years. You know, <laughs> oh my god! But yeah. that anchors in our psyche because it gives it's such a negative force. That we think, well, I, you know, I'm just going to do my thing here. I'm going to do write code. I'm going to read books. I'm going to do whatever it is I do. And I'll let somebody else sell. And a lot of times those guys get into a place in their career now where they're advancing. 
And so I get them a lot of times when they're managers, senior managers, principals, directors, and they want to get in the partner or the VP club because the compensation is substantially different. Right. And you have to say, well, to get into that club, you have to go build relationships and generate revenue. And so that just nobody's ever taught them how to do it. So that's what I spend most of my time doing is teaching, coaching, helping. I love that. You know, it's, it's all, to me, it's all that relationship building, right? One of the things that I used to ask, of course, as you already know, and many of our listeners probably know, I started my career in sales, right? Um, and um, through the years, I've built, uh, I have built and destroyed uh, thousands of sales careers in my life. Uh, and I've built a number of really large sales teams. And in my last company, um, you know, when I bought it, we had three or four salespeople. And when I sold it, we had 50 some odd salespeople. And so not a huge team, but, but I used to ask salespeople um, when they were hired, I would say, I would, one of the questions I would ask them during the interview, and I'm trying to remember exactly how I worded it, but it was, uh, how are you going to feel about telling your family that you're going into sales? You know, especially if you're hiring young people, right? Because it is very telling about the psyche of the person that, that you're thinking of putting into sales. Oh, I, you know, I, oh, I don't know. The, the ones that I hired for sure were my parents are both in sales. They're going to love this, right? <laughs> it's, but uh, well, I'd be ashamed to tell them. Well, that's, that could be a problem, right? And so um, and sales has that bad reputation. And, but, but as you point out in the book, it's all about really kind of building those connections and, and look, look, all things being equal people would rather buy from people they know and trust and i had some of that inherent because i started as a delivery consultant so i had to understand managing a project and once i figured out that a sales cycle is really a work breakdown structure and you got to do the same things in the same order it was like hey i can do this and i had was very i worked for some amazing people i mean i i mean guys like eddie marshall and michael fox and mark brady and uh, and, you know, those are names that people know. Mark went on and, and he took me over to Ariba with him and, and we just had the biggest time. And I worked, I thought I was pretty good when I showed up. And, you know, they had gone out and recruited like the top people at Oracle SAP and, and Lawson. And I was like standing at the feet, you know, of these giants. And what I, what I learned was that they weren't smarmy at all. They were looking for problem solving. They were creating a value proposition. They were articulating that value proposition. And and then they were delivering on it. I mean, you know, Ariba is one of those dot-com companies now is owned by SAP because they did such a nice job in the procurement space. Yep. Yep. That's uh that's a wow. That's uh that is a litany of great people that uh that you were able to kind of uh study right at the feet of some of the masters, right? And so um, you know, it, it's, uh, so many people don't realize that sales really is, is what you've described here. It's a process, right? I mean, it's a, I, I used to describe it, it's paint by numbers, right? I mean, you do these things in this order and you don't skip a step and you don't, right. you don't paint yellow where there's supposed to be green paint, you know, and you, it, it's, 
it's but it's a process just like anything else in business it's just like help desk and just like uh, an attorney and just you know it's it's a process you've got to follow a process and i i love the way you're kind of demystifying that uh, uh for the for the folks that wouldn't normally find themselves in sales but you're right uh, the people with their name on the building, uh, the people uh, that rise to the top are the salespeople. I know many attorneys who uh, go to work for a firm and the way to become uh, a partner is demonstrate that you can bring in new business. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so that's, you know, it's, it's, it's really a, funny a though, Tom, and you probably have experienced this before, you know, you have all this methodology and you teach it and you train it. And then when you're doing it for yourself, right, you'll think, oh, I know this guy really, really well. I could skip step number six, and it never works. No. So, you know, the process is there for a reason. It's there to actually save you money and time. It is the shortcut, I tell people. Well, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, even in my business now, and, and uh, as our listeners know, I we're in the consulting space that we help people build uh, exit strategy. Uh, even I, who have spent an entire career in sales, uh, got away from the process when I first started this business and uh, this consulting practice, which I have other partners in. And um, and I, I was only having sort of intermittent success until someone slapped me around and said, What's your process? Are you following your process? And I went, oh my gosh, you know, here, I've been doing this for 40 years for crying out loud. So I sat down and I completely redesigned my process. And now I have to fight people off with a stick because I'm using the process, right? And it sort of, it sort of pisses me off because I think about all these opportunities that I've lost because I wasn't using my process, right? So, uh, all right. So, why is this approach that you're that you're teaching in this book, uh, and through what you do with small businesses, why is it more relevant today than it was, say, twenty years ago when you started Pariveda Solutions? Well, dumb luck, really. <clears throat> you know, I don't know when LinkedIn started, but it was O two, I think, or O three. Somewhere in there. Yeah. And so uh, Reed Hoffman, right, sold to Microsoft. And so when you look at what's happened to social media and pay-per-click advertising and web and content marketing, I mean, if you're an introvert and you think that, that I'm talking to you, like, listen up, right? Because this world now is built for you because it's not about some slick sales cycle. It's about being found. You know, do you know anybody that answers a phone anymore? Do you know anybody that answers a cold email anymore? No, they raise their hand when they read something that's relevant. And so companies are starting to actually elevate their market facing people with content and posts and blogs and white papers and interviews and events and panels and and their and the experts are being found. And so it's it's more relevant today. Gartner published a report that said 89% of buyers not only research the individual seller, but do all their research on the offering and the company before they ever engage anybody from the enterprise. HubSpot says 52% of selling is based on social selling. Uh, you know, you can go down, you know, the challenger sales method. They've got a huge number on expertise in industry. And so... And so expertise, knowledge, content, that's why I always say, what are you famous for? Um, 
and it's working. You know, this is, you know, I, this is part of my, my game that I, you know, I've had to expand and get partners and helpers because if the company doesn't have a good content engine, if they're not telling the world how awesome they are and the things that they do and posting on LinkedIn and commenting on other people's posts, you're never going to get found. Yeah, that's, you're absolutely right. And, and, uh, and having a strategy to do that. Um, it's funny. I, I, I guess it was, uh, by dumb luck. I, I did years ago. I did, um, well, not that many years ago, probably 2017. So five years ago, I had the uh, opportunity to go, uh, to Tony Robbins business mastery uh, program. It, it's immersive, uh, for basically four days and, and it's almost sleep deprivation, right? <laughs> I mean, it is go, go, go. That man is nonstop. The benefit of having one of the speakers at that uh, conference was uh, David Meerman Scott, and he is one of the sort of pioneers of, of modern marketing where he says, give all your stuff away for free. Just give it away for free. Let uh, Use your content as a draw for your audience, because when people are ready to buy, they're going to buy from the people that they've been reading about and they've been getting free information from. And so I frequently tell prospective uh, buyers of our service, they say, you know, why should we do this? My, my stock answer is, if you would just go to my website, listen to all of my podcasts, read all my blog posts, download the 10 or 12 eBooks that we have and spend $15 on my book. You could do all this stuff on your own if you right. want to, right. but you won't. <laughs> you need help. You need somebody that's going to hold you accountable to yeah. do that. So, so uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of getting out there and providing that content. And so, so once, you know, I know you've written this for the introverts, the consultants, developers, architects, lawyers, strategists, uh, if they, if they follow this, you know, what is the implication for them in the marketplace? Well, you know, they can get unstuck in their careers they can make more money. They can become entrepreneurs. You know, a lot of those guys have that bent to be on their own. And, and all of those require relationship management, sales skills, and the like we've been discussing for the last 20 minutes. Yep. Yep. Gotta have those skills. Look, we're up against a, a short break. We're talking with John Humphrey. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back in 30 seconds. Every business will eventually transition some internally to employees and managers, and some externally to third-party buyers. Mastery Partners equips business owners to maximize business value so they can transition their businesses on their terms using our four-step process. We start with a snapshot of where your business is today. Then we help you understand where you want to be and design a custom strategy to get you there. Next, we help you execute that strategy with the assistance of our amazing resource network. And ultimately, you'll be able to transition your business on your terms. What are you waiting for? More time? More revenue? If you want to maximize your business value, it takes time. Now is that time. Get started today by checking us out at www.masterypartners.com or email us at info at masterypartners.com to learn more. We're back and we're talking with John Humphrey about his book and his passion, Connect for Life. Uh, I'm going to give you, by the way, uh, on the uh, 
uh, website this week. There'll be a link so you can go buy his book uh, right uh, right from our website. You can go and get it at Amazon. So, John, what have you been working on lately to enhance the value suggested in the book? That's a great, that's a really great question. Thanks for asking it. So, you know, I have this concept called touch points. It's the 15 categories of, of touches. And if you Google that word, it's a lot about human development, child development. It, it really, it, it confuses people, right? So I'm sort of morphing this concept to connect points. And I have updated and redone the point association. So each one of the, there's three categories, five, five sets of activities in each category, all of which have different uh, point values. And that is in my estimation, the relative value of doing that activity versus doing something else. So when you said giving away advice for free, that's number one under connect, which is advise, which is give it away, you know? And when they go to do it, they'll give you a call. And so, the next thing is, is that if you, when I try to implement this at my clients, everybody wants to put it in the CRM and they want to make it an activity and they want to track all that stuff. But, you know, salespeople are notorious for not being able to record anything like their expenses or, you know, they can barely keep up their pipeline and you've done that. So you understand it. So I'm building a piece of software called connect points. In fact, uh, I just got the beta I just got the beta this week. It's um, a very easy to use mobile app, web app that says I was talking to Tom Bronson. That was an interview. So I was speaking and my follow-up is X. And it keeps track of goal setting by week, quarter, month, year. There's a dashboard that you can go to to see all of the history of your points week to week. And then if you're part of a team and you're part of an organization, there's a gamification module where you rank people's points against one another and then you can challenge. I can say, I'm going to challenge Tom this week and see, you know, who can, who can buy the beer on Friday afternoon. So really excited about it. It's um, I've been using it all week. Uh, It's made me realize how many more points I do a week than I realize. Um, So I would say that the points are slightly different. The scoring is slightly different than what's in the book. And I've got a primer that I think you can get off of my website at Connect for Life that sort of updates, uh, you know, if you just give me your your name and your your email, I'll send you an updated version of that. Oh, perfect. Perfect. That's a that's a great place to go and get that. So so uh, by the way, anybody that knows me, you know, this is just demonstrates you don't know me as well as we thought you did, John. I don't drink beer on Fridays. Thursdays are made for beer. So, <laughs> so thirsty Thursday, right? So uh, I, had a, I had a group at my old company. It was our senior uh, senior team uh, and some of our mid-level managers. And we had thirsty Thursday. Every Thursday, I went to a craft brewery. Uh, but if we couldn't make it on Thursdays, then we would do wet Wednesdays and some Sometimes Timulant uh, Tuesdays. And so, uh, you know, just having to Fridays. No, not so much. So, yeah. <laughs> so I know that you're also working on, you just mentioned the software, the connect points software that's coming. When is that coming? And I know you're also working on a workshop. Yeah. So these. I've always had my connect for life workshop, which I'm now going to be recording and putting it online. And then, Things that are going to come are sort of a primer on Connect Points itself, the software. And then the workshop is going to be a combination of kind of an interview style where I will get with somebody like you and 
And then I will have all these stories from people in my network that like you talking about why do you give away advice for free or why is speaking important and why is it important to publish a book? And, you know, you told me once I didn't publish a book because I wanted to publish a book. I wanted to have a very expensive business card. <laughs> and I tell that story all the time. And so, so the, the boot camp is going to, and it's all going to be online and I haven't really figured out how to work the subscription yet. I'm going through a, a sort of a SaaS process to assess what the what the value is. But every company that has implemented this that I've worked with over the last several years, you know, they get 50% increases in revenue. Even if they have a direct sales force, if their technicians start getting engaged in the community and you start tracking it, I mean, there's just something magic about tracking it. Um, so those things will be coming over the next six months. I would imagine in the next 60 days, I'll be putting the, uh, the beta out by the next week or two with my with three of my clients. You know, I've had a number of people say, yeah, when can we get that? I'm tired of using the spreadsheet. And so uh, yeah. I'm excited about that. That's excellent. I, I love the fact that you've put that into a mobile app that they can use because you were bang on a few minutes ago when you said, you know, uh, high performing salespeople don't like to do the paperwork. They don't like to, and, and they just won't. Right. And yeah. so- I learned years ago that if I really wanted that stuff to be done right with my high performers, that I needed to give them somebody that would do that stuff for them. So, yeah, uh, or you have to, you know, one of the things I was doing, we've all in the software development world, we heard about minimum viable product. And, you know, now that I'm doing it for myself and paying for it, as opposed to doing it for a client, it's like, okay, what is the minimum? How do I make it so simple that, e that even I can use it? Because I'm the acid test. You know, I've never worked for a company that didn't make money on my expenses because I just don't submit them. <laughs> so Perfect. if I figured if I could use it and it works for me, then anybody could use it. It'll work for them. Wow. That's uh, that's awesome. Well, hey, hey, if you don't ever submit your expenses, you want if you're looking for extra work, come on over. So uh, so you mentioned a minute ago as well that, you know, keeping score and gamifying these activities. Why? Why would you do that? What What is the value of keeping score and gamifying the process? Well, what I learned back when Matt Olson and I were playing with this idea at Lawson is that the competitive juices, it didn't matter whether it was a golf game or a cold beer on Thursday or lunch on Friday, uh, competitive people like to win. And I think that's why a lot of salespeople are former athletes, right? They have that training. What I learned at Pariveda, because we had a very similar platform called Sonar, it stood for Sales Operations Networking and Results. Of course, when I left, they stopped using it, but that's we have something else now. I would notice a lot of people on a Sunday, because at midnight, you know, the score for the week finished. And they would go back through their calendars for the week and make sure that they had entered everything that that they that they uh, had actually done. And and what you learn is the there's about six of the categories that are actually physical meetings, either virtually physical or, or, or in person. And you can always tell if you're getting malicious compliance because somebody's doing a lot of activities that's not leading to meetings and it's not generating pipeline, they're not winning any business. And so they're just, you know, it's the 11th commandment, right? They'll uh -huh. shout out kid thyself. Uh, and so I yeah. think keeping scores really important. And it's, it's important for me to be able to do it because I teach it because I'm in the same process that all my students are in. 
You know, I have weeks where I don't do very well. I go on vacation or I get distracted or I have a big project I'm delivering. And it's just a reminder, you know, and later in the book, I have a chapter on forgiveness, which is like, forgive yourself, you know, get back up, give it a go again. This is a tool for you. This is not the bat for the sales management team. And that's what I tell all my clients when they, when they want to implement the system. This is a, this is a tool to make your people better. And yep. uh, if you leave them alone and let them grow, they'll get better. It might take time, but they'll get better. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So uh, is there potentially another book in the future? Yeah, I, I think because I call Connect Points Touch Points in the book, I'm thinking about a book around uh, Connect Points. I also run into... I'm a, I'm a huge advocate for women in IT, and, and so this concept of work-life balance, which there's been a lot written on. I have a paper I wrote called The, Why, the Wobble, Debunking the Myth of the Work-Life Balance that may turn, into a, may turn into a book. But, you know, I have other ideas, too. So, I don't know. It's, you know, it's hard to find the time to write and um, when you're working. So. Uh-huh. I'll tell you what, uh, the hardest thing for me, you know, is the first book just poured out of me and I, and I got that done very quickly. The second book I wrote pretty quickly, but I am stuck in the editing process. I've, yeah. I've done the right thing. I've hired a professional editor uh, and, and she's now she's asking me, she's like, are, are you ever going to respond to my edits? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Man. We ought to do a podcast on how to publish a book because there's there's ways to trick yourself into doing it, whether that's blogging by chapter or writing the outline first. I mean, I've yeah. got the outline to both the wobble and the connect points written. So yeah. I know what goes in it. It's just yep. now it's like, do I want to spend my weekends and nights doing that? I know. I know. And so what's yeah. so very important though, if you want to get this out, you know, it's again, mine is a very expensive business card, but it also gives credibility, right? When you hand somebody your book, uh, right after this uh, recording, this podcast, I'm going to meet a prospective client for the first time. And after we talk for a while, I'm going to hand her a copy of my book. And that gives you some instant credibility uh, as well. And so, uh, so I love that. Well, uh, as we sort of come around the bend here, one last business question, and that is, of course, this podcast is all about maximizing business value. John, what is the one most important thing you would recommend business owners do to build value in their business? I think instill in all the employees that everybody is responsible for the company's brand. It doesn't matter whether you're the guy on the floor in the warehouse or the person interacting with clients or the person taking the phone call to support it or some accountant in the accounting department. We're all responsible for the brand. And at some level, we're all responsible for selling. And if you get that sort of institutional culture, so like amazing things will happen. Yes. I, I worked for a company at one point that uh, the mantra of the CEO, and we had 13,000 employees, is that everybody's <laughs> selling. Everybody is selling. Uh, and so, uh, and it and it made a huge difference, right? Very rapidly growing uh, business that uh, that did really well. So, this is a spot in the podcast where we normally ask the personality trait questions. But since you've already answered that question in episode one hundred and five, I want to go just a little bit 
uh, different direction here. Now, as we wrap up this podcast and at the risk of going down a little bit darker path, John recently shared with me that uh, that he is a um, a sexual abuse survivor from when he was between 11 and 13 years old. Now, I really appreciate your courage to allow me to ask a question about that, but also to to share with me uh, what you've shared over the last few days as we've been preparing uh, for this. And so, uh, and I appreciate your courage to just share your story here in hopes that it might encourage or help someone else who happens to be listening to this podcast today. So can you share with us a little bit of, sure. of that story and, and kind of what you're doing today about that? Yeah. Well, thanks, Tom. It's, uh, it's taken a lot of years to get to where I can tell my story. Uh, I had a reading problem in elementary school. My folks sent me to a private school <clears throat> that had a Boy Scout troop. Turns out my Boy Scout leader was the assistant principal of the school, my band leader, and my soccer coach. And uh, over the period of three years, I was abused over 200 times. And then I left that school. My hair fell out. I've been bald ever since I left. And um, I went into a phase they called repressed memory. I didn't tell any, anybody about it. I never thought about it again. I thought people who went to therapy were weak because look at me, I'm fine. Well, it turns out I, uh, you know, I wasn't exactly fine. And back in 2017, I was reading an article about, and it was a, a picture of one of my classmates back in seventh grade, the sixth grade. And um, it was an article about him telling his teenage son that he had been abused as a child and warning him about, you know, being safe and all those kinds of things. And so I called Ray, and uh, well, I pinged him in LinkedIn, and he called me back, and we spent three hours on the telephone. And I got involved in this case against the school that I was at. And um, one thing led to another. When the Boy Scouts decided they were going to declare bankruptcy, uh, my attorneys asked me to go to Delaware uh, to interview to be on the Tort Claimants Committee. The Tort Claimants Committee in a bankruptcy is a debtor's uh, committee that is on the other side of the assets. And so... I did that with about 125 other men, and I was selected as one of nine men, and then that group elected me chairman. <laughs> so for the last two and a half years, um, the nine of us in the Torch Claimants Committee, shortly we call it the TCC, about halfway in, I, I elevated the co-chairman, Doug Kennedy, to or to vice chairman to co-chairman, and uh, we've been leading this happy band. and. And then in that whole process, I got approached by a director of documentaries uh, to do a, a documentary called Leave No Trace, and it, it, it was picked up by Tribeca two weeks ago. So I was at the premiere in New York. And, you know, once you get past the pain of telling your story, because it is cathartic at, at the beginning, you realize you're not alone. I think Anybody that's been abused, you're if you're like me and, and, and just about 90% of the other people I've talked to is like you thought it was just you and a few people. You didn't think that it was just rampant. You know, my abuser, Ted Alton, abused over 150 boys over a 20-year period and, you know, spent two years in jail in New York and now is, you know, out living as a registered sex offender. So, you know, what I want to do is give people hope. I want them to realize that they're not alone. You know, in the Boy Scouts case, 82,000 people came forward. And imagine the people that didn't. 
And so that's just astounding. I, if you, it's for, astounding. You know, they were expecting 7,500 and the numbers just kind of kept on going. And, you know, like some of that was driven by marketing and yes, but uh, I think the point is we need to really start having a dialogue in this country about boyhood sexual abuse because it's happened you know, in churches, almost every denomination, it's happened in universities. We've got the USA gymnastics example. We've got, you know, the Boy Scouts example. And so, you know, I just, I want to give people hope. I want to have a voice where I help people get to the other side, because you can go from victim to survivor to thriver. And that, you know, that's ultimately, you know, what we're put on this earth for. But you know, a lot of people get stuck. They they have that voice in their head that just wears them out and tells them they're not worthy. And that I call it a guilt pie. You know, when a young boy is is uh, abused, it's not like it's a uh, a female being raped. It's not a violent activity. It's a seduction by a grown man who's way smarter than you. And so, I've learned a lot about pedophilia, um, but mostly I've learned about the despair that a lot of men have. And you know, I want to give them hope. And I, I really can't thank you enough for, for being brave enough to kind of share this story because when you and I talked about it, um, um, I shared with you that I, that I knew somebody else that recently told me a, a story similar to that. And it's so important for, for men to realize that they're not alone here. I mean, you think about that 82,000 uh, claimants in the, in the Boy Scouts uh, case and that's probably not all of them. No. Right. And so, so, uh, so it is more common and you're right. We need to have some dialogue about this. Uh, the movie, uh, leave no trace, uh, just uh, released by Tribeca, right. Uh, at the, at the festival it's on Hulu. It's on Hulu. So, uh, so available to see, and I would encourage anybody to go and, uh, and do that. Thank you for, for being, uh, having the courage to, to share with us today. So, um, whether it's regarding that and someone who might want to talk with you or uh, about your book, Connect for Life, and the, yeah. and the processes you described there, how can our viewers and listeners get in touch with you? Well, I have a website, connectforlife.com, that they can find me. And I'm on LinkedIn, and my contact information is out there. So you should be able to track me down and ask me questions. And I'm definitely open to talk about any and all subjects. Awesome. Thank you again, John, for being our guest today. Thanks, Tom. It's been a real pleasure. Enjoyed it. You can find John Humphrey at connectforlife.com or on LinkedIn. Or of course, you can always reach out to me and I'll be happy to make a warm introduction to my good friend. And as I mentioned, we're going to have a link to his book. I think there actually already is a link to his book on our website, but we're going to point it up again this week uh, on Wednesday. And so uh, make sure that you go and get a copy of this book uh, and encourage him to come out with the second book. I'm, I'm excited to read that when it comes. This is the Maximize Business Value podcast, where we give practical advice to business owners on how to build long-term sustainable value in your business. Be sure to tune in each week and follow us wherever you found this podcast and give us a comment or a suggestion. If there's something you want to learn about in business, let me know. I bet you I can find an expert and we'll talk about it on this podcast. So until next time, this is Tom Bronson, and I'm reminding you to build the right connections while you maximize business value.
you for tuning in to the Maximize Business Value podcast with Tom Bronson. This podcast is brought to you by Mastery Partners, where our mission is to equip business owners to maximize business value so they can transition on their terms. Learn more on how to build long-term sustainable business value and get free value-building tools by visiting our website, www.masterypartners.com. That's master with a Y, masterypartners.com. Check it out. That was perfect. I wouldn't make any changes on 